All right, well, we're going to continue our series on the I Am, the I Am series. And we're going to speak about resting in the Lord. And this morning we had some, some testimonies upstairs about just the burden and resting in the Lord and, and, the, and not looking back. And so it was so wonderful to already hear testimonies prior to even the preaching of the word. And they don't even know what the message is going to be. And one after the other just had a, had a great a message already. So we're going to speak about resting in the Lord. And I've entitled this, I Am Rest. I am rest. Now many are running around lost and worried in life, lost in fear and consumed with their day-to-day-by-day life and they haven't found proper rest, nor will they find proper rest because they have never learned how to rest in the Lord. Jesus is rest and he wants us to rest in him and he wants to give us his rest. Amen? And so now last week we spoke about peace, God's peace perfect peace, peace which transforms all understanding, and that peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, amen? And that peace only comes, that type of peace only comes from God himself. It doesn't come from our government. It doesn't come from the officials and all these things. Um, they might be used by God, and they, and they are used by God for, for his purpose and for our good, his purpose for our good, according to Romans 13. And um, so they will help us in the process of making life easier, or if they're disobedient, will make our lives harder, which we see at times happening on earth right now. But true peace comes from God, comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, his rest, God's rest. It comes from the Lord. And after you receive God's peace, then you can move into God's rest. Amen? From his peace to his rest. And so people need to just stop running around and stop fighting God, folks. Stop fighting God, fighting his will, fighting his purpose for your life. And turn towards him in faith. Amen? And today is also going to be Communion Sunday. So hopefully you got the little cups and and ready for communion at the end of the service. We have them uh, in the back when you first come in. And... We are also going to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can partake in communion with us as a family. And so you need to know that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved and shall be saved, right? But you have to receive Jesus while you're living on earth. You you don't receive him after you go on. You have to receive him while you're on um, earth, breathing and alive. And so you want to turn towards him in repentance, which means it's turning away from your sins. But you just speak to him from your heart. And you can do that anytime, whether you're young or old, while you're breathing. And then you immediately enter his rest. I know some of us came in tired today, uh, but I'm not talking about necessarily not stay, staying up late and not getting the right sleep. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about entering into his peace, entering into his rest, and that can happen immediately upon salvation. And so this morning we're going to continue to learn about the great I am and learn how to enter into his rest. Now, I know some of you are tired, but I want you to stand up one more time, at least today, as we uh, Uh, get into the Word of God, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Uh, Chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. And listen, we we don't have to stand up for every verse. So why do we do that? 
I, I just, I believe we should stand up and honor God's words and just make that point. And we don't have to do that every time. You know, I don't want to be legalistic. So this is not a legalistic thing. This is a traditional thing that we do in this church. And you're welcome to sit if you want to. But I do believe if you can stand up for this few moments, you should. And we'll just honor the, the Lord in this. And so at the time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord, in heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and, re and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, come to me, underline that, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, weary and heavy laden, weary and burdened, I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light. My burden is light. Let's pray, Father God, we just... We just love you this morning, oh God. Oh, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light, oh God. If we can just really understand that today, oh God, that we, that we work unto you, we serve you, oh God, but we enter into your rest as we do these things, as we serve you, as we love you, as we follow your ways, oh God, we actually enter into uh, your rest, oh God, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Bless these words, mighty God. Bless everything that's said and done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So glad to see everybody here today. Oh, it's just exciting. I, I tell you, we can watch Zoom. Zoom, 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 Zoom. We can watch Zoom and we can, and we can watch from home and that's great. Hey, if you're watching from home, listen, that's, that's fine. But let me tell you, there's nothing when saints of God just get together and worship the Lord and just community of believers in unity, community in unity and in agreement and in one accord. It's a beautiful thing to see and partake in and hallelujah. Um, so now in this previous uh, scripture verse, or actually this chapter before, chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples and gives them uh, something to do. He gives them authority to drive out the evil spirits, to heal the sick, right? To heal every disease and to heal the sick. And he was sending them out as sheep among the wolves and they were to preach the kingdom of God is near and there's a warning here right there's a warning here and the warning is that there's going to be pain and suffering and you might say going to I'm saying gonna there's going to be pain and suffering there that's just the way it is right so be on your guard and there are people that are going to be upset with you and that's what's just going to happen they're going to be upset with you right they're going to hand you over to the council they're going to hand you over to to the officials they're going to tattletale on you to government officials we see that happening these are the end times folks you need to understand that our walk with God comes with a cost. It's not without pain. It's not without suffering, right? And if you don't understand the cost, you don't understand that there's going to be suffering. You're going to get all caught up when it comes your way. When it comes your way, it will come your way, right? So you've been served the notice, and now you know in advance, so you're not shocked and go, wow, I didn't see that coming. Many Christians, especially in America, are okay with God as long as as long as they think God is okay with them, as long as they're like, hey, you know, you, I pray, you bless, I pray and I ask for this, and you give me this and that. So as long as that happens, I'm okay with you, God. But pain and suffering, trials and tribulations, right? Oh, no, we don't want that. When, when things get tough and, and things get rough, no, I, I don't want that God anymore. 
right? We need, we need to take a stand up for, for the things of God. We need to take a stand up for um, what's happening in our culture today when, when we need to really hold on to the truth of God's words. We need to speak up. And we need to step out and we need to step out and we need to stand up, right? Stand up for righteousness and godliness and, and godly principles and his ways. Too many saints are hiding in shame and running and, and scared and their voices are getting muted and muffled and, and they're remaining silent. So worse, they're abandoning their post and they're abandoning their faith. The Lord tells us in that chapter of Matthew 10, do not be afraid for those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but, but rather it says be afraid of the one that can kill and destroy, well not kill, that can destroy both the soul and the body. And I, I say destroy, I don't want to get into all this right now, but the spirit lives forever. Right? We're spiritual beings, so the body will be destroyed. That's a whole other uh, in-depth topic, but I don't believe that you can kill the devil, but you can send him fleeing in Jesus' name. Right? He goes to the abyss, but he doesn't get, he doesn't get killed. Anyway, topic for another day, right? But he tells, he, he tells us in verse 37 of chapter 10, anyone who loves the father or mother more than, than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves the son or his son or his daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me and who, he who receives me receives the one who saves me. There's a cost to following Christ. We need to understand that. And there will be suffering. There will be pain. There will be persecution in your life. And you will have to sacrifice and you will have to struggle. And life as a Christian takes effort and work, right? It's a sacrifice. It will not always be a cakewalk. It will not always be a rose garden, as many of you know. You will have to make tough decisions. Life can be rough for the children as well as for the, for the adults. For many, they have chose to stay quiet, to live in fear, to walk with no authority, to be enslaved in your own homes and maybe even in your own churches. Or rather, I say, let's be free in Christ. Let's walk in faith, right? Let's walk in God's authority and release this power and authority through you as you live your life in a bold way proclaiming the good news of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew that when you step out in faith, that people were going to be offended by you. And we see this happening today. So many people are angry and they're offended by the church. And in, in chapter 11 of verse 6 of Matthew, he says, Blessed is a man who does not fall away on my account, on his account. Our faith can be offensive to people. It can be offensive. And you might run in and try to witness to someone and all of a sudden they're offended. You might say something that is holy and righteous and point people to the cross and, pe and point people to do the, the right things. And they're offended. People um, have expectations of what they think the church is all about. And what you are supposed to be doing. And then when you don't do it their way, when, when you don't go and conform to culture, hey, why aren't you doing this? Because that's what culture is saying and doing. They're offended. But regardless of what people think, we are continue to do God's work, right? Amen? We are continue to do the work of the apostles. We are to continue to work and do the work of the disciples and what they're doing and what they did before us. And we are to continue to proclaim the good news message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is 
the Son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus came to seek and save. Jesus is the miracle worker. Jesus is the great healer. Jesus is the great I am. Amen. And he has called us and each and every one of us to do the same things that he's telling the early disciples to do. He's telling them, obey holy scriptures, obey my words, obey my teaching, right? And crucify yourself and die daily. Even if people are offended by it, spread the word. Even if you're per persecuted by it, right? Even if there's great pain and suffering uh, back at you, give them faith right back at them. Amen. Go forward. By faith. And then Jesus continues in that same chapter 11 about talking about unrepented cities, right? Where miracles were done and a great work of God was done and he released his power and authority and great miracles were done and the proclamation went out and yet there were no repentance. There was no repentance and Jesus goes on to say, right? He says, listen up. I think that's what he said. Listen up, he said. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen up, listen up. To what I can, I can compare this generation. They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. That's me doing my, my dance. That, that's about it, right? We sang a dirge. I'm Italian. I am on my feet. No, let's not even go there. We, we, sang a, we sang a dirge, you know, and you did not mourn. You see, people who are legalistic and critical, they're always going to find something to complain about. You didn't do it right. You didn't do it this way. And they just complain. And they miss Jesus. And they miss John in the cities. And they, they're going to continue to miss the gospel message of Christ if they're not careful. But we still need to go out. We still need to proclaim the good news of Christ. Don't let your voice be muffled or muzzled or masked or muted. Even when things get tough, right? Even when it's tough, you got to go out there. And you still got to be doing Even when it's not popular, you need to speak. Even if you're a mask, speak louder. Yes. The voice of Christ needs to go out louder. Yes. I'm telling you that it's mentally and, and, and physically draining and tiring and disappointing if you just focus on all the things that are happening around us in this land. If you don't understand the times, if you don't understand what you're living in, if you don't understand what we're against, you could be so drained emotionally, right? People are deceived and critical and they're going astray and they're abandoning the faith even when great miracles are taking place and great miracles are taking place, right? And people are still rebel and they're going to reject God's words. There will be setbacks, church. There will be suffering, right? There will be pain and, and sacrifice. And if you're not careful, weariness will overtake you in the process of, of doing ministry. Don't get weary in the process. So many people have gotten weary in the process. They drop out. They leave. They quit. They abandon their post. They stop doing the things that they have been called to do by God. We need to be careful as well as people of God that we don't quit and get weary doing ministry work and give up. Now, some people, weariness and tiredness is not their problem. Motivation is. Motivation is they're comfortable and complacent uh, with the status quo. I'm not. They're comfortable and complacent just camping out at home. They're comfortable and complacent not going to church or, or coming to church and being fed but not doing much. They're comfortable on the sidelines. They're comfortable in, in the grandstand just watching. Ray, hey, go, go, go. But they never get up and go, go, go themselves. But when it comes to working and doing and living and helping to grow the kingdom of God, they're not to be found. 
So weariness and tiredness is not really their concern at all. But for many, for those of us who have to pick up their slack, they become overworked, we become overworked, and kingdom building, if you're not careful, can become tiresome and weary. And so tiresome that, listen to this, 1,700 ministers every month leave, the, leave and quit and give up. 1,700 ministers or clergy a month, 4,000 churches close every year, 50% of ministers quit after five years. Now, we have been here longer than five years, but officially, as a pastor, January is a five year, so let me tell you, we wanna just break through that five year barrier, and we just wanna keep going by faith in what the Lord has called us to do, and we're gonna do it. And I'm just praising God in advance of even that mark, right? The main reason why so many people quit is weariness, they're, they're tired, and leaders and, and have their vision from God, or, and, and, and they're being abandoned by the people, so they become overworked, trying to put forth that calling that God laid on their heart, and so they become weary, trying to do overwork what they were trying to do, and then they move on, and then they get defeated, and then they quit, and then the cycle starts all over again, and a new pastor comes in, a new vision, and the stuff just happens all over again, you're like, where are the people, where are the help, where, you know, where are the, those called by God, we are all ministers called. We all have different responsibilities. So wake up, get out, and go do something for the kingdom of God. Whatever it might look like, just go ahead and do it. Right? You all have talents and gifts and abilities and they are to be used for the kingdom of God for His glory and for His honor. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, people are tired and defeated, right? And so there's so much more to the survey that took place, but I think you get the point. But there's also so much happening just in life in general, right? And it can be hard, especially can we even remember prior to COVID and the pandemic or whatever we're calling it these days? Can we even remember people, I remember people were seemed to be overworked and underpaid and they were running around and they were hustling from, from you know, trying to make a buck and trying to provide for their family and, and working and working and they can't catch up and they can't catch a break. And others are running from place to place and from event to event, from sports to sports, right? People were just overwhelmed with life. And now it doesn't stop. Now we're overwhelmed with a virus. Now we're overwhelmed with this election year, right? Overwhelmed with the future. Overwhelmed, will I have a job? Do I still have a job? Do I have a job to go back to? Where am I going to live in the future, right? We were pastors uh, last night, and they were like, people just picked up and left. Not just left here, they left the state. They're just gone. And we're like, hey, we were talking about this three years from now, but we just decided to do it now. Now's the right time. P people are just making life Fast life decisions in the middle of crazy times. And usually it's not the best time to make a life decision unless your life is turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. Then that's always the right time. Plug for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So people are weary and people are afraid. And you would think that with a shutdown, you would think with the country closing down and all your idols falling, you know, you would be rejuvenated and awakened and, and refreshed, ready, let's go, 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 let's go mix it up. But the truth is, people are still mentally, emotionally, physically tired, and they're weary, and they're afraid. Fear is draining. Uncertainty is alarming. Anger and hatred and, and negative thinking doesn't really help you physically, emotionally, or spiritually, right? And people are tired and weary. So, so what can they do? And, and, where can they, and where can they go? Well, well, in the natural realm, go get some sleep. Go get some rest. There you go. That was free, right? Um, but let me tell you, too much rest 
And too much sleep, too much slumber, right, is going to cause you a whole bunch of other, of other pains and sufferings and concerns, right? Some say, go out and vote, right? This is an election year. Go out and vote. Make your vote count. Yes, make your vote count. It's a privilege and a responsibility to be a citizen of this country. Go out and vote. But pause and think about what you're voting for this year. For me, um, it's not so much about who, but about what. And personally, I see how quickly our First Amendment and freedom of speech and, and religious li liberties can be changed and manipulated just like that, just in a few months. I, I see how fast churches can be closed and be considered non-essential by many uh, officials. And regardless if you like President Trump or not, he has called us essential. He has stood up and said the church is essential. He has called us essential. He has called you essential, right? And churches across America, essential, right? And he has brought leaders to the table, faith-based, God-fearing, who are pro-church leaders. And something has to be said about that, right? So I haven't seen that politically for years. People say, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise be to God. I think we can give him a little praise offering just because the word of God has gone out. Praise the name of the Lord. Now listen, I get that there's politics and there's optics in politics. I get that, right? But it was so refreshing to see Jesus and, and God be elevated in prayer, in the pledge, and in purpose. You can write that down. That's another free one for you. I'm telling you. Woo! Listen, how fast our Constitution and our Bill of Rights and these things can change and be challenged when the wrong people are in power. It's alarming. And I can go on. And while I do believe we should vote, right, I think it's the duty of every American to go vote. But this year I'm not voting for a person as much or a political agenda as much as I am voting for the protection of these rights and that I just mentioned and the protection of the church, of the church. Of the church, right? I love America. How about you? Can we applaud America? Listen, this is one of the greatest countries in the world. It's one of the great countries in the world. We have liberty. We have freedom, right? Now listen, I, 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 man, I'm just telling you, I'm, I just see danger of what's happening. Police departments closing, anarchy and autonomous zones in this country. It's alarming. And it's dangerous. It needs to stop. It needs to stop. And I know that we know this. But that's not the America that I know. That's not the America I want to know. That's not the America that I want to grow up or have my kids grow up seeing. I don't want chaos and lawlessness and looting. Now, justice needs to be served, but lawlessness and hatred does not need to be served. That is not the answer. And our faith and truth in God's words are being challenged like never before. So we better wake up, America. Wake up, America, and wake up, saints of God. Don't slumber any longer. This is an election year that's going to really be a significant. Understand the sign of the times that you're living in. Silence, conformity, and going along with culture is not the answer. Political narratives are not the answer. And the truth is, and we should vote. I said that again. We should also know that, we, that, if, that our true rest, our true peace, we don't look to politics. We don't look to people. We don't look to the position or the power. Those things are limited. Man will always corrupt that power when he or she is in, is in, in power following their own ways and their own methods. But true rest and true peace comes from the one true God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. So it's important to know God and find peace and rest. 
And Matthew chapter 11 is very clear that Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me. Jesus is saying, come unto me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest, right? This is an invitation to all people, right? All people, all who labor, all who are weary, all who are tired, right? All who have confusion, all who are helpless, all who are hurting, all who are sick, all of you, all of you can come unto me and you can find rest. All who need rest, come unto me. I, I will give you rest. And very often it's our restlessness because of our godlessness. People are running around alone doing their own things and turning their back on God. And God isn't pleased with this. Nor does he want us to be alone or weary. He says, come unto me. Come unto me, all who are weary, all who are burdened, right? All who are heavy laden. Come unto me and I will give you rest. I will give you my rest, right? He's like, I'm not going to give you rest like the world will give you rest, right? The world gives you drugs. The world gives you alcohol. The world medicates you, right? And so you can sleep and relax. The world gives you entertainment. And now like never before, it's filled with violence, corruption, confusion, cursing, right? It slants to a, 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 a pornographic culture. And, 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 and the world tries to give us rest. But, but absence from Jesus, you will not find real rest. And people are running to the world and the world's methods and ways to find rest and relaxation. But they cannot find it because true rest comes from Jesus. It is, it is different. Coming from him, it's different. And let me tell you, his rest comes after salvation, not before it. Now, last week, I told you that Jesus gives us his peace, his peace. My peace I give you. And once you got his peace and understand his peace and understand that he is with you and he is for you and he has a good, good plan for you and a good, good plan for your future, you start to trust him and you start walking towards him and you start relying on him more and then you start resting in him. You see the process? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Eternal rest. Not my rest I give you, but first come unto me. Come unto me, come unto me, right? So where do you go to find rest? You go to Jesus. Now come unto me, and, 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 you don't know, and you don't know what to do to find rest. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. So what's a yoke? It's typically a wooden frame that joins two animals together. It would also be fitted for that animal so it fits right, right? It's, fit, it's made on purpose, with purpose, to fit right on that particular animal, join the animal together, usually for pulling a heavy load. Now, this word yoke in the Greek is a, a zugos, and it means join together, couple together, come together. So when you yoke, you come together. You are in sync. You're on the same page and the same pace and going in the same direction and, and the same speed. And when yoked, if one kind of speeds up or one tries to slow down, it can throw the other one off and make them maybe out of balance or out of sync. And, and they could actually stumble and actually get hurt in the process. And you could hurt and harm an animal if they're wrongly yoked. Now, Deuteronomy, you want to write this scripture down. Deuteronomy 22, verse 10 says, Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. And what is that? And why is that? They're different sizes, they're different shapes, they're different, they're different species, different strength capacities. And so when you mix that together, it could harm the weaker animal if they don't work together. 
And so we are to be joined properly together, working together, in community, in unity, together, working together. Combined strength will, eat, will also pull a much greater load when we do it together. And so that old adage is we're better together, or we can do more uh, together than alone. It's just so true, right? Our results are greatly increased and the overload and the, and the load that we have on us is actually lightened in many ways when we are unified and we are yoked together, moving together, working together. So while we are to be yoked together, unified in an agreement, the Bible clearly teaches us not to be unequally yoked. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 16 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What does fellowship with the light and have to do with darkness? What is harmony between Christ and Belilah? What does a, a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Now some people are unequally yoked. They are yoked with the wrong person. They are yoked with the wrong things. They are yoked with the wrong uh, purpose. They are yoked with the wrong agenda and yoked with the wrong politics. They yoked with the wrong things. We are not to be yoked with unbelievers. And by the way, this word uh, Belilah means more than just the devil. It, it refers to this idea of wickedness and worthlessness. And it appears to be a spirit or the idea or personification of evil being worked out through people. So what does Christ or Christianity have to do with works of evil? And don't, don't be yoked with evil. Don't be yoked with the world. Don't be yoked with the unbeliever. Don't be yoked to someone else's wife or husband either. And this idea of besties, best friends, if they're not your spouse, if she's not your, if she's not your wife or he's not your, your, your husband, you shouldn't be best friends. This is the work of Belilah. It's wrong and it's evil in its relationships. And so we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, once married, right, even to an unbeliever, once married, you're not to divorce um, and, and just leave because of this. So don't go say, Pastor said, we're unbelievers, we're not supposed to be yoked, and all of a sudden break up all these, these marriages and relationships, right? Scripture speaks to that as well, and that's a message for another day as well. And now you need to decide how you're going to go forward with your understanding of Scripture and what it means to be unequally yoked, and it's has some personal elements to it as well. For, for sure, it deals with husbands and wives and prior to getting married, don't be unequally yoked. It also has some suggestion here about business partners about being unequally yoked. And for example, I had a, a best friend and, and business partner for years and while we never did anything wrong or illegal or I'm not telling, no, I'm only kidding, no, we did. Um, there's something, uh, no, I am kidding, I am kidding. I know Gambino, people right away think I'm doing something illegal, right? I am not. You can check the books, everything's up and up, right? Hey, oh, hey. Yeah, there's something about missing the relationship that was happening. It was just something that went awry and I just felt like it was time for many reasons to just get out of that business agreement and when we sold the business, I'm gonna tell you, it was, it was freeing. There was a release in my spirit, right? And now today it's very hard to find a company and work where they're pure and holy and good and honest and a lot of them have allowed just trash to enter into their, into their stuff. But see, that's more of an employer, employee. You're not necessarily, you're just getting a paycheck. You're not necessarily yoked to all of their stuff, but it comes down to conscious sake on that. Uh, for example, I, I worked many years ago 
for a boss who I believe wanted me to do wrong, um, even illegal activities. I made it very clear on the onset, I will, I will not lie and cheat for you or for this company, right? And so I eventually left that job because of, of conflict. Um, I didn't leave because of law. I didn't leave because of legalism, right? I left because I thought I was gonna eventually be jammed up and, and I thought that the influence there was just too strong. And so I quit and I asked God to help me and I trusted him and he found me a job and I worked there for the next 27 years. All right, so I do believe that God, God will, will honor faithfulness and, and, and honoring him, right? But you need to decide for yourself. And I would just say, ask God for wisdom and discernment and direction and, and do things in his timing. But sometimes don't just quit. I was young. Today I would tell you not just quit. Segue into the next job. But you know what? That's not law. You have to decide for yourself what you want to do. Don't, don't, we can take this stuff and make it a law and just really jam ourselves up and then we go, where was God? Well, God didn't tell you to be stupid. <laughs> Whatever that means. Okay, we are not to be unequally yoked because we, we can't truly unite or truly agree with spiritual things and, and important things, eternal things, when we're not equally yoked. What fellowship can we have with darkness? What light with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belilah? What, what does a believer have in common with the unbeliever? When you're unequally yoked, you will feel the burden of that wrong yoke, right? And, and you will not have the proper rest that God wants you to have. Now, in many ways, the Pharisees and, uh, placed burdens on, on people as well. And those burdens were heavy. And they oppressed the people. And it, and it put them in, in bondage, right? Religious legalism does that today. Religious legalism does that. And it's running rampant in this country as well. And Christians have placed or almost added more, more laws, right? Laws to Scripture than really even belongs there. And, and people have divided over issues. And, and stop fellowshipping over legalism and law and don't do this or do that, right? Uh, don't do this and, and if you don't do this, there's no respect and no love and therefore we'll, we'll pull our fellowship and, and we'll pull our gifts and abilities away from you. If you don't do what I ask you to do, then you're not acting in loving way and, you're, and you don't care for the least of these, right? And the list goes on and on that Christians are putting other Christians in bondage and placing these things on top of scripture, right? We need to be careful that we don't get a pharisaical heart and spirit among us and add to scripture things that aren't really meant to be there and hold people to scripture um, that, that's even more than salvational, right? In essentials, unity. In non-essential, liberty. In all things, we have to be giving people love, right? Don't divide or split a church over non essential things, and sometimes I think it's nonsensical things. In fact, don't split the church over or argue in general over some of these things. Believers should be mature enough to work some of these things out in advance of them going rogue. And be careful, leaders and, and people of God, saints of God, going astray. If you do decide to leave this church or any church, right, just make sure you're doing it in the right fashion, the biblical way. Amen? Amen. Now we're called to do, and most, let me just say this, most of us have all come from other churches. So we gotta, like, we got to stop being hard on those that leave, and we, gotta be, we, we have to just welcome people that come. But, but, but this church has a way of doing things, and so if you don't want to get in line, 
Maybe you need to get off the bus. I don't know. But, but I'm just saying it's like there's ways that we're all, we're all in agreement. And right now, I just love the beautiful harmony that we have. And I love that I have to look left and right and even into the camera because this church is now in agreement in so many ways. Praise the name of, of the Lord. And I, I'm, so, I'm so glad for it. Uh, God has called us to, to do our Father's business. And Jesus came not to put forth our own agenda, right? His agenda, to do the will of His Father. And many people in churches have just have gone astray. And, and like I said, I'm so glad about this assembly, that we're in agreement and we have united in prayer and faith and fellowship. We love to worship together. The gathering was just amazing the other night. And we love to just worship and pray and commit things to, to God. But when I look at churches across America, there's a great divide. Not only in the country, but in the churches. And people have become yoked with the world instead of being yoked with the Lord. And they're putting forth the world agenda and they're living in unrest. There's just a season of unrest. Religious legalism causes divide and unrest. And the laws and the rules that were imposed by the scribes and the Pharisees created a hardship and discomfort to others. And Jesus was trying to say to them, and he's really trying to say to us too, come unto me. Come unto me, all who, are, who will labor, right? All who are heavy burdened, heavy burdened by religion, heavy burdened by tradition, heavy burdened by things, heavy burdened by trying to earn salvation by your good works and your good deeds. And Jesus is saying, hey, brothers and sisters, come unto me. Come unto me. I will give you rest. Not like those other things. Not like those other methods or those other programs. Not, not by the do's and don'ts in the list. Not, not by someone else putting this heavy yoke on you. Come unto me. I will give you rest. I will not just give you any rest. I'm going to give you my rest. I'm going to give you my peace. My way. Right? I'm going to do it my way. And so many people want to do things their way, right? We sing songs about it, doing it their way. And over and over again, the Bible gives instructions on how to live and how to do it his way. And some people say, hey, those are just a bunch of, of rules and controls. And I say, no, no, it's not. It's a guide. And it's wise instructions, a manual to life and righteous living. The Holy Scriptures is, a, is an instruction manual from God. It's God's words to us. We ought to read it and, and, and take the dust off of it now. And then so many people try to build something without following the manual, following the instructions. And they think, well, I'll just figure it out on my own. Listen, I'm guilty of doing that at times too. And all of a sudden she's like, why do you have extra parts? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I got the extra parts from. The thing still seems to be working. I, I, I don't know. And we don't want to follow the instructions, right? We rush ahead and we realize when you do that, you, you, you miss some steps and you're like, wait, I missed some steps here, right? And all of a sudden, like, you did it your own way and, and you followed your own method. And you're, you're, you're supposed to be using a screwdriver and you're using this heavy duty, like, drill and you, like, rip through the wall and you're like, wait, it didn't work. It's a drill. And no, it was supposed to be a light screwdriver with a light twist. And I'm not talking from experience here. I'm just, I'm just saying, read the manual, right? And, and then you get frustrated and you get tired and things are busted and you're like, I'm tired. I just need a nap. I need to go to bed. Right? And, and things are just not working out right. Our hardship, our heartaches, our burdens. Church, so often it's self-inflicted. We blame the devil for everything, but it's self-inflicted so many times. We did it our way, and then hardship came our way. And then we have governments placing hardship on us, and religion, and tradition, right? And people putting burdens on us, and it's unrest. We have unrest, but Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. Take it upon you. He's saying, let me hold the wheel, right? Let me take the reins. Let me guide you. 
on purpose, with my purpose. Listen, let my plans be your plans for your life, but I'm going to work them out through you. So you have a job or you don't have a job or whatever you're doing, work the plans out. God's going to work those plans out through you. But you must join with him and work together. Take my yoke, take my yoke upon you, right? We are told to be totally devoted and dedicated to the things of God. We are to be fully submitted to the things of God. And when you take on his yoke and you follow his ways and you walk with him side by side and you do life with Jesus and you're doing it his way, life will look different. Why? Because God is leading now. Jesus is leading now. The Holy Spirit's leading you now. It has to look different, right? Because you're allowing him to guide you now. Now remember, being yoked to God doesn't mean no work. And it doesn't mean no burden. You have to understand that too. There's still work to be done. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So there's still hard work. Demanding work. It requires attention. And discipline. And you need to be responsible, good stewards with whatever God places in your hands. But the work, whatever work he's called you to do, wherever it is, inside the church, outside the church, at your job, in the community, in the marketplace. His yoke, though, is light. His burden is easy. When you take on other people's roles and responsibilities that you ought not to do, when you're not walking with him, and that yoke gets tighter around you, it becomes more like a noose instead of a yoke. And those burdens get heavier, and then you start to stumble. And again, the Pharisees were known for this, uh, adding to the law, and held people to an extensive list of things they must do, though a list of prescriptions became a crushing burden on the people, a heavy yoke and burden on the people. And that yoke is hard, and that burden is heavy, and that is not from God. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now taking on his yoke requires action from God. It's his yoke, but, he's, but it's also action from us, right? We ought to take on his yoke, take on his yoke, uh, which was designed for us. But we need to embrace it, right? We must take it on. We must take it on. We go to him by faith. We walk with him by faith, right? We take on his yoke. His yoke is not forced on us. We take it on. He doesn't demand it on us. He allows it to go on us. He designed it to go on. That He crafted it for us, but we must take it on. He's called us. Uh, to him, right? But you can still refuse him. You can still reject him. You do not need to receive Jesus Christ, but it will be for your benefit. It will be for your good. It will be what's best for you walking the life that he's called you, but you have a right to reject him. Philippians 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. I want to know Christ. Just stop there. Highlight that. I want to know Christ. You desire to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him unto death. And so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it, all of this or have already made perfect, but I press on. Press on his work. Press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's a pressing. There's a straining. There's a purging at times that take place. Now work is work. If it was all fun, we call it play. But it's work, right? Work to be done, sweat on your brow, birthing pains, trials and tribulations. But he has a plan and a purpose for us and it is good and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we have to be yoked with him. We have to be aligned with him, aligned with his will and aligned with his ways and follow his path that he brings us down. His yoke will be easy, his burden 
will be light. And when we try to do these things our own way, we stumble, we fall, we get out of alignment, we get out of balance very quickly. And people do this all the time when they wonder, um, when they wander away from the life that he has called us uh, to live. And then we mess things up. And, and, that, and they yoke themselves to the world instead of to Christ. They live in fear instead of living by faith and, and, they, and dying to themselves. Right? But we are to fellowship with him and be yoked with him. This doesn't happen by chance, church. We take his yoke upon us. This happens because we want to take his yoke upon us. We want to learn from him. And Jesus says, learn from me. Learn from me. We need to know who to learn from. It says, learn from me. Learn from me, right? Take my yoke upon, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. You will. You will. Do this. You will. Do this. You will find rest for your soul. And I think in today's society, we need more rest. We don't need more sleep. We don't need more slumber. And sleep will help your natural body. It will. The other day we laid down some floors in the, in the back of the church. And if you didn't get a chance, look, go right down this hallway right here and you'll see it. Um, but my body's not used to that work. And, and thank you, Jimmy, for, for helping me out with that. My body hurt for a few days. I needed some sleep. I needed some rest. And then my body healed. I got the rest and I was better for it. But sleep and rest is good and needed for the body to heal. That's God's natural way of healing. Yes. Also, the, super, the Sabbath is days of rest as well. And it's so needed in so many places. We have to rest in him. Now, we can keep going on and on and never stop, right? We can go on and on and never stop. Our body was never meant to design that way. Go on and on and on. We're, we're not like that bunny that goes on and on and on and stops whatever, you know? And Jesus gives us uh, instructions to rest. And that rest is for our sake, and it's wise to rest. And he will, it will help you emotionally and physically and spiritually. And, and, I, and sometimes just a good meal, resting in a good meal. Hey, pasta, it's good sometimes just rest and have a nice meal. But, but we need some physical rest as well, right? But I've learned, but we are to Sabbath day rest and rest in him. And I learned that we can do more in six days than most people can do in seven days because we've learned how to rest and rely on Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when we learn to rest in him, he helps me, he helps us to accomplish more than other people can do because he ordained and he directed our steps and we're honoring him and we're directing, our, we're saying, Lord, direct my steps and move me the way you want me to go. So we learn from him, we learn from him and he says, take a Sabbath rest. Now this doesn't mean no work at all ever on a Sunday. If the case, then no pastor, no minister, no usher, no greeter could ever work again. But we are to rest in him. We are to rely on him. We are to look to him. Amen. Jesus is our Sabbath day rest, right? So we rest in him. We rely on him. We serve him. We walk with him. We yoke ourselves with him. We work unto him. Come to me. He says, come to me. Take on my yoke and learn from me. And he does the work in us as we take the steps of faith. As we draw closer to him, as we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us and he will give us rest. His word says that learn from me, it says, verse uh, 27, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus is now saying, I will reveal the Father to you. I will reveal certain things to you. Learn from me. You will know the Father. He who has seen me has seen the Father. 
Write this scripture down. Jeremiah 33, 3. Come to me. Come to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. How beautiful is that? The Lord wants to, us to come to him and he wants to teach us some things and help us. And then last week, we spoke about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our, our counselor, our, our parakletos, right? And, and he's going to come alongside of us and in, dwell inside of us and, and lead us in all truth. And, and truth is what's missing from the narrative today in society. People want the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But then they just spend their life living lives and listening to deceits and wrong thinking. But with the Lord, it's all truthful. And he's laser accurate in what he has to say. It's perfect every time. He's never going to lead you astray. Amen. Hallelujah. What he has for you is good. And we are to learn from him. And he provides a way. Because he's a good, good father. He provides a way. He gave us a church. He gave us pastors and leaders and ministers and believers, right? And out of that community of believers and, and leaders, he gives us teachers and people willing to serve and love and care and, and teach others the way of God. But most importantly, he gave us the Holy Spirit, which will lead us and guide us in all truth. So come, come to me. Take my yoke, learn from me. And finally, understand my yoke brings rest. My yoke brings rest. When we know the end results, I love that. I, I love knowing the end results before, before we get there, before we start. I think that's awesome. I like to know where I'm going. Um, I like to know where the road ends more than all the details along the way. My wife knows I like to know where we're going, but I don't need every little detail, except when I'm driving and I'm like, that exit? <laughs> no, she's a great navigator with me, right? Uh, but I like to know the end, and sometimes before we start, right, when you have an end in mind, it helps to shape your destiny or your journey, right? How do you know where you're going? How, how do you know where you're going to stay? I like to know the final destination in mind, right? Because now you have something to work for. Hey, is, is there, gonna, is there gonna, going, to be a, going to be a pool there, right? Is, is, is there, the, does the hotel have a pool? Then you're like, oh, I'll bring my bathing suit, right? If you don't have your bathing suit, I, I don't know what you might do, well, right? Um, is it going to snow? Is it going to rain? Is it going to be hot? I know you're laughing back there. It's pretty funny, right? So you didn't know you're going to get some comedian stuff when you come to church. But listen, we ought to be able to just have joy in the Lord. It's real. You should be happy in, in the Lord. And when not, go deeper with the Lord. Press in with Him, right? So how do you pack? You pack with the end in mind, right? You don't put your jacket on when you're going to, say, the Bahamas, right? It just doesn't make sense. You have a snorkel, not this snorkel, the snorkel jackets, right? It's like, what? What's happening here? Jesus is telling you, you can know Him. You can know him. We're going to edit that all out there, right? <laughs> Come to me. I will give you rest. Come to me. I will give you rest, right? And so following his ways ultimately will bring you rest. So you can know the end results before you even start your journey. Jesus says, my yoke brings rest. My yoke brings rest. You can look down the lawn, the lawn, the road and know where you're going. My, you follow him and you will have rest in the future, right? It might not be immediate. It's going to happen over time. You will have rest. You will have rest. My yoke brings rest. What does this mean? There's a rest that comes from God and it doesn't come from the world, right? It's his rest, right? Exodus 33, verse 13 says, If you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I might know you and continue to find favor with you. 
Remember, this is the nation to your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I will give you rest, right? Um, may this be our heart's cry that we want rest, right? This is my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. I want to know you better. I will give you rest wherever he goes, wherever we go. He's going with us, right? Whatever we do, he's to lead us, right? And then we get our rest. Uh, we, should, we need to ask him, teach us. Teach us your ways, O Lord. Look, I want to learn from you, O God. I want to know you, O God. I want to have a deeper relationship with you, O God, so that I will have rest. Right? So the burdens will be lightened and I will have rest. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find your rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is is life. Father God, I just pray for this word that was given today, oh God. And as we segue now into communion, oh God, I pray that you will just touch hearts and that you will just touch souls, oh God, that you will open up our hearts and minds so we can continue to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to now move into communion. And I want you to know that many people believe in God. And that he's real and that he exists and he can do all things, but they don't yield to him. They don't yield to him, right? And they want the same rights that believers have, but they don't want to become his child. And over and over again, you'll hear me say that not every promise in this good book is for you if you're not a child of Christ. Well, all the promises are true. All the promises are true. And what he says will happen, will happen. But if you're not his child, if he's not Lord of your life, then you don't get to hold on to every one of the promises, right? If you want rest, it's going to start with his peace first. But you're going to need salvation because peace doesn't come if you don't, if you don't make your, your life right with him. Jesus says, come unto me. And so before we receive communion, remember the cross. Remember the sacrifices that Jesus made at the cross. And we need to start examining our hearts right now. And those who already know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, I say to you, examine your hearts. You pray for the Lord, you pray to the Lord, and you ask Him, forgive me of my sins. You examine your hearts. You ask Him for the peace that transcends all understanding. You ask Him for rest, His rest. And right now, I would ask you to pray for those who don't know His rest and have never received His peace nor His rest. For those who are weary, those who are sick, struggling, fearful, going astray in life, you need to turn it all over to God. He'll give you rest. And now for those who are committed, not committed, have never committed their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, or well, maybe it's been so long that that proclamation is so far away that you don't even remember it, and you're like, I don't even know if I'm saved. Or well, you've just never even had that intimate moment with God where you can say you're saved. Speak to Him from your heart. Speak to Him from your heart. Invite him into your heart and just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't have the peace that this pastor's talking about. I don't have the rest that I, I'm living in fear. 
I know I'm a sinner. I know I missed the mark. I know I made mistakes in my life. I know I violated things. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I recognize you as God. Jesus is God. Rose, crucified and rose on the third day. By his stripes we can be healed. By his stripes we can find salvation. And anyone who reaches out and calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. And if you did that today, you are saved. And now you can start your forever life with him. Would you stand with me as we have communion together as a family of God? And if you now have received Jesus as a savior, you can partake in this family. It's not nothing to do with membership. It has to do with salvation and sonship. Amen? And so we've examined our hearts and looked deep inside ourselves and we repented for our sins. And now as a community, in unity, as a family, in agreement, I'm going to bless this bread and read this one portion of scripture and then we'll take, we'll take it together. Father God, I just pray for this bread, oh God. Symbolic of your body that went to the cross. Bruised. Beat up. Broken for us. You took on the shame and pain of a cross. Because you loved us so much, oh God. We remember you, oh God. We remember what you've done. We remember the cross. We remember the grave. We remember, Lord, three days later, you arose. And you are now seated at the right hand of Father God, making intercession on our behalf, Lord. Speaking to God on our behalf, oh God. Rooting for us and voting for us and, and wanting us to carry on and go forward by faith. Remember what you've done. Bless this bread in Jesus' name. And when he's given thanks, he broke it. He said, take ye, this is my body, broken for you. Do this remembrance of me. Let's do this together as a family. Now this cup, symbolic of his blood that was shed on the cross. There's healing in the blood. There's healing in the blood, church. There's healing in the blood. By his stripes you are healed. There's healing in the blood of the lamb. The great lamb that was slain at Calvary, right? And we, by his stripes, we are healed. And we remember what he has done. Oh, God, bless this cup, oh, Lord, bless this cup. We remember your blood that was shed, Lord, that stained the cross and the floor, oh, God. Lord, we remember what you've done. And thank you, Lord, for your willingness to sacrifice your life so, so that we can live. We get to live now forever with you. Bless this cup in Jesus' name, amen. In the same manner, he took the cup. And after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's do this together as a family.